Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Liz Walker. Liz is the Managing Director of the Youth Wellbeing Project, a grassroots community organization in Brisbane, Australia. The Youth Wellbeing Project has been positively impacting youth sexuality and well-being since 2008. Hi, Liz. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. How are you? I'm doing really well today. I know that you're all the way in Australia and you're in the future because here it is Wednesday evening and you are Thursday morning. Morning. That's right. Yeah, it's very exciting to be able to communicate all the way across the other side of the world. It's wonderful. (laughs) From the future. Okay. So um, I want to start off asking you a little bit about this age we live in, in terms of communicating and access to information, specifically um, sexual content where our kids, tweens and teens, are um, seeing things that um, certainly we never saw at that age. And um, for parents, it's it's um, worrisome. And also for kids, I think because they have not a lot of context and life experience, very difficult for them to process. So can mm. you please tell us a little bit about the kind of work you do vis-a-vis internet content? And let's talk about pornography. Great. Could be a little bit X-rated, so I hope none of the viewers mind today. <laughs> okay, go for it. Look, one of the things that we're seeing is just that um, kids are inadvertently uh, looking at pornography. Sometimes it's genuine curiosity, just wanting innocent questions answered. Uh, But uh, I often show parents and teachers in our life classes just how quickly and easy it is to, once you Google porn, what can actually have pop up on the screen. So um, within seconds, you've got over 400 million sites at your fingertips containing the word porn um, and, you know, pretty much sky's the limit. The first three top sites are, are well-known porn sites. As they may ask, are you over 18? But even that first image, the first landing page that young kids can jump on is quite graphic in its uh, nature. So where we used to have a porn magazine that you might have found underneath the bed, you could have a quick look, put it away and and not see it again. There's endless pages online that kids can access. So let me ask you this. Uh, First of all, um, the site may have a gate in front that says, are you over 18? Well, we can all lie. We know how to lie, right? (laughs) Exactly. Not not much of a safeguard. But the other question might be this. Um, you talk about natural curiosity, and of course, tweens and teens are curious about uh, sex and sexuality and nudity. And um, where where does the line get crossed in terms of what parents can feel good about and what parents should should reasonably be concerned about in terms of what their children access? Well, see, nudity in itself should be something that we aim to to make our kids comfortable with. You know, there's, there shouldn't be any shame around nudity. We're all, uh, you know, human beings. We're all flesh and blood. And, uh, you know, being comfortable with your own in your own skin is part of accepting yourself and your sexuality. Uh, but when you're seeing graphic content of um, what we see with pornography online is that a huge percentage of it is is violent it's aggressive it's giving messages that we really don't want to be the foundational co- concept of what our children understand sex to be Interesting. but if that's their first introduction um, that can be quite concerning 
Um, anything that we learn from scratch, the, the imprinting, anytime you learn something new, you might learn to ride a bike or you might learn to, uh, I know I, I clearly remember when I jumped out of a plane, that was something new <laughs> that I <laughs> hadn't done before. And, uh, you know, the adrenaline rushes, all those extra endorphins rush. And the same when we learn about um, something like sex. Now, if it's done in, in the safety and comfort of either a home or a school environment where it's in context and you're learning about it with someone who's knowledgeable and who, who can just answer questions calmly um, and, you know, make it seem part of a, a normal part of life, then, you know, your kids are going to absorb that in a healthy way. Yeah, I think that's if, great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just interrupt you for a second because um, that idea of having an environment that's safe and comfortable and an environment in which you can ask questions of a trusted adult mm. is so different than having content come at you where you don't have those opportunities and um, a really, really important distinction. Thank you for making that one. Yeah, you're so welcome. And, and that's unfortunately um, what we're still in this space where some adults are feeling really awkward about the sex talk. And I mm -hmm. say to them, well, would you rather, you know, put your fears in the basket for a little minute and, and you know, try and, you know, hash that out with your friends or, you know, other adults around you and, and, and squash those down just so you can help your kids navigate this time or would you prefer your kids to just jump online and, and Google what sex is? <laughs> yeah, well, when you come with those two options, I think most parents obviously would say, okay, um, this might be awkward, this might be a little embarrassing, but I have to have the talk. Now, I think the talk is a misnomer, actually. It, it, seems, oh, to, it, it, means, it seems to indicate that it's just one conversation, you sit here, I sit there, I tell you the facts, and we're done. No. Shoo! <laughs> no more, Annie. We can't have that concept anymore. No, we can't. It has to be a layer upon layer. It has to be every opportunity that we can find where we go, you know what, um, there's something on the telly that my kids are watching, there's something um, in the latest movie that was okay, I can't believe my kids are sitting there watching that. Okay, so use that as an opportunity. Use that as an opportunity to say, well, you know, these are our values around that, what you just saw. Um, why might it not be okay to, to speak to a woman like that or be spoken to like that? Well, what do you want in, in your world um, as far as respect? Ah. Uh, so, you know, command that respect. Don't be... Don't allow that to, uh, you know, come your way. So just really using every opportunity you can. Now, this is so important, this, this context of respect and teaching boys and girls um, what's appropriate, um, what is, what it, where, where the line is in terms of um, what you want versus the other person's feelings, the mm -hmm. idea of communicating so important. You know, a couple of years ago, I um, I interviewed a woman named Amy Shallot who had a book called Not Under My Roof. And she was essentially um, using this book as a study um, to survey the difference between uh, parents in the Netherlands and parents in the United States vis-a-vis -vis their attitudes about sex and how they educated their children. And it was quite fascinating. And in, in, understanding um, the results of her study, 
What seemed quite obvious to me is that when parents are open and honest with their children and talk about sex in the context of a healthy, respectful relationship, then your teens are much less likely to get involved in high-risk behavior with lots of partners and um, no protection and all the things that parents have nightmares about. Yeah, that's right. And when parents don't talk about sex, when they shut that down, the automatic response for a for a child, for a, for a young uh, teenager is, well, mum and dad don't know anything about it. Um, in, in their mind, they've obviously never had it. So <laughs> not I'm going to get my information <laughs> somewhere else. That's right. That's right. So um, like I said, it's just about using every opportunity. I, I was um, speaking with a young girl one day. I, I happened to be in a home and she was watching Saturday morning video hits. Do you have that in the States, the Saturday, the, you know, the, the video clips in the morning? Yeah. And uh, it was really soft porn what, what this young girl was saying. She was probably only eight or nine years old. And I, wow. and I said to her, how does that make you feel when you watch that? Because she was quite absorbed. And she said, a mm, little bit funny in the tummy. And I said, okay, what, what do you do with that? She goes, I don't know. And I said, guess what? And she said, what's that? And I said, you have the power. And she looked at me and went, uh, what do you mean I have the power? And I said, you have the remote control. You can change channel. If that is making you feel uncomfortable, you need to switch, switch that off just because it's there. It doesn't mean to say you have to watch it. So that laid a really good foundation. Later on, many years later, this girl was invited into a chat room um, and there were some things going on in that chat room that was making her feel very uncomfortable. And she had learned right back then, I have the power. I actually don't have to stay here. So just those little warning signs, if we can teach those to our children as they're younger, they'll take that with them through their teenage life. What a valuable lesson you taught her simply by highlighting something that already existed but she didn't realize it. Mm. And, and that passivity versus assertiveness where you're saying, wait a minute, I'm going to pay attention to this weird feeling in my tummy that's telling me something is not right here for me. So yeah. what are my options? Um, with a remote control, you turn it off. In situations, in a, in a social situation, you always have the option to leave and to walk, speak away. Up, walk yep. away to speak up and and set boundaries i think this is so important especially for mm. our girls um that's they right have, they need this training we we can't bubble wrap our kids and unfortunately that is that is an approach um that's bantered around a lot but we, we simply can't protect our kids um in, in in its entirety we can place measures um, we can look at internet filters and we can look at uh, what goes through our internet in our own home. But at the end of the day, all it takes is another child at school with a smartphone um, for all of that, you know, bubble wrapping to, to, to burst. So it's really important that we teach our kids what to do in the situation and expect that our kids will see pornography and, and okay, you will see it one day. This is what you might see. This is how your body might respond. And, and you literally have two or three seconds to exercise your power and look away, um, find an alternative, you know, shut down the screen, um, 
make an excuse for your mates, whatever it may be, but you literally have such a short window before your brain starts going, oh, okay, I've got arousal. Uh, I'm, I'm not even, I don't even like what I'm seeing or, you know, maybe they do, but they've got about those three seconds before it hits the brain and, and um, you know, arousal occurs. So it's, it's about teaching them what to do in that first instance to, to find an alternative. You know, it's interesting, Liz, you bring up... Um what I call peer approval addiction situation here where you make excuses to your friends. Um, if you're with a group of people who is intensely interested in what's coming through the video screen and you're very aware that you personally feel very uncomfortable, it takes a lot of what I call social courage to stand up and say, mm, um, no, you know, I, I'll catch up with you later or or whatever excuse you make to remove yourself from the situation. That's not easy for adults to do. No, it's not. And it's it's just something that, once again, we need to lay those foundations right and talk to them about what's in a healthy re relationship. You know, what you see in pornography, when I'm talking to kids in schools, I often liken it to a, a fast-speed car. So something like the movie Fast and Furious, the movie series. Um, you know, those cars are going um, way over the speed limit, out of control. They are doing crazy things that most drivers don't do. They are trained to do it. They are picked for their ability to, um, well, the stunt drivers stepping in there. It's crazy driving, and it's a little bit the same as pornography. It's crazy sex. It's not what most people in a healthy relationship are involved with. And so if we continue to fill our mind with that crazy stuff, uh, that's when we can um, think that that is what is, happens in a usual relationship. Um, so it really sends those distorted messages. So I, I would be saying to uh, kids, particularly teenagers in that situation, say to your mates, huh, you know, that, that's something that um, you guys might be looking for in your relationship, but I want something a little bit more intimate than that, so I don't need to watch this stuff. Oh, what a brilliant thing to say. That's great. I love that one. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your um, the project that you work on. I know that you're the managing director, and um, I'd love to find out how you started it. Well, Youth Wellbeing Project uh, started back in 2008. It was something that I developed out of, I guess, seeing such a huge need um, sex education, um, you have the debate over in the States of, uh, and we do here in Australia too, of abstinence only or comprehensive sex education. And, and I looked at all of that and I thought, you know, comprehensive is good, but we need something more that teaches kids about the fact that sexuality is a whole person centered thing. It's not just uh, one dimensional. It's not just about talking about condoms and contraception. We really got to teach kids about uh, the emotions involved and uh, you know for, for many adults who are in fulfilling sexual relationships there's a spiritual component as well so how do we get that message across to, to young people and obviously that's quite difficult um, when kids are, are much younger but as they go through their teens and develop critical thinking skills just unpacking for them where are the different messages they're getting um, from sex coming from and teaching them about, you know, that we're more than one dimensional, particularly with sexuality. So Youth Wellbeing Project um, is kind of founded on, on that model of whole person-centered sexuality. And it started with me, Annie. I, at the age of six, I saw pornography. 
And uh, that was something that totally altered the way that I thought about myself and the way that I engaged in relationships and behavior. Uh, so I went and studied it much further down the track and went, right, I think that there's something, part of my journey that will benefit a lot of young people. That's wonderful. And often it's that personal experience that, that makes us um, say, okay, I was damaged by this. And um, I'm going to make sure that other children and, and young people don't have to go through that because of um, an exposure that might have been inadvertent or, or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm curious about um, your access to public school students here in the States, the kind of conversations that that you're describing sound very, very healthy and ones that, of course, I would support. But I know that there are some very conservative factors in school districts that that they would not welcome you through their front doors. So I wonder how, how that works in contrast um, in Australia when you want to present your program to high school students, for example. Look, Annie, we're having the same uh, challenges, I think, worldwide. Um, it really does depend on the school and the principal and the needs that they're seeing arising. Um, often it's the case of, okay, there's a fire over here, we need to go and put it out, who do we call? Um, rather than the preventative work, which I'd love to, to do more of, but often it's not until the issues start rising when you've got high levels of coercion going on or um, incidences, um, you know, straight after school or in the lunch breaks or in the toilets that, that school principals go, okay, we need to deal with this, but... We, we have something called the courier mail alert here in Brisbane. Um, schools who don't want to be in the courier mail won't touch it with a barge pole, you know. We don't want to be controversial. That We don't want to end up in the newspaper. So um, I think the same thing happens here. It's um, very challenging. It's challenging and it's frustrating too as well. Um, in the spring, I, I spoke at a teen pregnancy prevention conference in the state of Montana, and um, those educators there were expressing the exact same thing. They were talking about the high pregnancy rates there in many of the schools, um, and the school administrators were, of course, not denying that, and yet they were saying, you cannot talk about contraception in our school. You can't talk about... Um, any of the things that would work as preventative for these pregnancies um, makes no sense at all. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And it's just one of those things that we need to continually chip away at. And educating um, even principals, the, the fact that um, many parents actually really want you to come alongside and help them. But they want to know, parents want to know what they're being uh, what they'll be taught. Yes. Is is there a permissiveness in what you're teaching or are you actually teaching some of the um, proactive prevention strategies? Um, how are you going to be talking to my kids about this? Is it in their best interests? And so some of this is around uh, educating parents. Yeah. Um, some of this is about educating principals that parents ne need support and, and often welcome support. And it can be just the minority. It can be just the, you know, the squeaky wheel yes. that's saying, no, I don't want this. That is the loudest. And, uh, you know, kind of puts the principal off guard and, and, oh, we don't know if we want to go here or not because of this small group that's saying no. So. 
so I understand that you've got um, a new parenting resource coming out soon. Can you tell us about it? Because I think you're right. Parents do need support. I, I have been answering email from parents for 17 years, teens and tweens as well, and occasionally I will get an email from a distraught mom or dad who's just discovered that their child has downloaded pornography and they don't know how to have those conversations. So can you please tell me about this resource that you've got coming out soon? Got one called uh, Help My Kid Has Looked at Porn. Uh, and as I say in this, uh, in, in this book that will be available for download, um, it's not a matter of if your kids see porn, it's a matter of when. So it's about having the necessary conversations beforehand, but also not freaking out when, when you find out that they have looked at porn and, and having the age-appropriate conversation with them. With the little ones, you'll have a very different conversation as, as what you will have uh, with older teenagers, and that's all the sorts of things that I'll unpack in this book. Great. I'm so glad you've written it. I have not seen anything like this before, so I'm looking forward to, um, to viewing it. When, when it becomes available. We have just a couple of minutes left, Liz, and before we go, I'd love for you to give our listeners and viewers an opportunity to learn where they can find out more about your work. Yeah, sure. For uh, educators and youth workers, counsellors, the best site to go to is uh, Youth Wellbeing Project, www.youthwellbeingproject.com.au. And there's loads of resources there. You can sign up for the newsletter and get updates on what's going on in the world of uh, education. And then for parents, uh, the best site is uh, lizwalkerpresents.com. And uh, that's where you can jump online and sign up to receive the uh, Help My Kid Has Looked at Porn handbook. Um, and yeah, I hope you really enjoy that. And, and I've got blogs on that side as well, really looking at what are the types of conversations that I need to be having with my teen. It's, it's gone beyond just the contraception and just the, you know, there's, there's the deeper elements as well. Um, just really encouraging our teenagers to get a perspective of sexuality as a, as a relational uh, component of life. Pornography is so one-dimensional and really robs them of the understanding that sex is uh, very much relational. So, And speaking of relationships, you really want parents to be at the core of their, their child's um, support and education here. And so for you to provide parents with these kind of resources, this is great. It like, gives them a script so that they can um, be guided through what could be awkward conversations, but hopefully actually ends up in, in uh, strengthening the relationship that they have with their children. Thank Thanks, you so John. much for thank you so much for the work that you do, Liz, and for spending time with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Annie. It's been an absolute pleasure. It has. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens and teens, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my new book, The Girls Q and A book on friendship. Fifty ways to fix a friendship without the drama. Next week is Thanksgiving and we'll be taking a break, but we'll be bringing you a rebroadcast from May 2014. It's my interview with Glennon Doyle Milton, author of Carry On Warrior, The Power of Embracing Your Messy, Beautiful Life. Until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.